You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It is Monday, October 19th. Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson from The Athletic. And uh, Notre Dame with a 12-7 victory over Louisville. It was convincing defensively, but not so much offensively. And, and, and realistically, guys, you know, I mean, Notre Dame wasn't bad offensively. They were bad in the red zone. They moved the ball. They only had the seven possessions. Uh, and, and they maximized those pretty well in terms of yardage, but just didn't get in the end zone. And that's the name of the game. And that's why it was a 12 to seven victory. It was, it was a reminder of something that we've been talking about for a long time that Notre Dame is really average at the receiver position. And I thought that they were below average. Um, you, you're just not going to be able to win a lot of high stakes games with Javon McKinley right now. Um, that's, that's a personnel move that I think Notre Dame has to make. Um, I had him down for seven targets. If you include some plays that got wiped out by penalty and he had one catch for seven yards. So that's, you got to have more out of your receiver that leads all offensive skill position players in snaps played. There's an issue. And I wrote about it in my column of Tim, you mentioned the offense played well until the red zone or had, had very good moments until the red zone on seven or eight drives. They are going to be in the red zone. This sounds funny, but if you think about it, they're going to be in the red zone all year because they don't have that strike. Sure. Sure. So their long drives are going to get to the 25-yard line all the time, every game, and they're going to have to find ways to score touchdowns. It is It exacerbates the issue when you don't have – Tim made a good point in your question. You made Brian Kelly smile. You don't have Chase Claypool. You also don't have Cole Komet. He was the guy that entered your red zone forays. You need to find a way to strike. Um, I know Lindsey has to be healthy to play. I, I do get that Lindsey has to be healthy to play, or Brian Kelly can't rely on using the guy like that. He is fragile anyway. But Austin's got to find a way to get in there. Lindsey has to get in there. Mayor will have to be part of the process. Um, and Pete, my biggest issue isn't only that McKinley playing over Austin, it's that McKinley and Skoranek together oh, doesn't, yeah. cha- doesn't challenge anybody. That's no. just, they could be, they can both be involved, but why would they not be the W's? That's no, you're exactly right. They, they, I think they both, they both need to be involved, especially right. Skoranek now that he made a couple plays. I mean, McKinley dropped more passes than he caught on Saturday. Uh, including a two-point conversion. So they need to be involved. But you're right. You know, they can – you know, you can avoid the red zone situations if you can get Lindsay healthy and do some of the things that you did with him last year. Right. You know, the, the the explosives that you used with him. And then Kevin Austin has to get involved as well. I don't know that you want – I think somebody on our message board said something about Kevin Austin in the red zone, the end zone. I'm not sure with him coming off the – the broken fifth metatarsal that you want him doing jump balls and landing wrong on that foot, but you've got, you have to do something. And the one that I suggest is Michael Mayer. I mean, how in the world, how in the world do you stop that presence in the end zone, that athletic freak? And I would think that they would turn to him a little bit more, but you've got to find a way to finish drives. Brian, I brought it up and Brian Kelly said, well, one of those, because I mentioned the stats because they were so good last year prior to the Camping World Bowl when Tommy Reese took over. Um, you know, and he mentioned fake field goal. That hurts the, the the percentage. But he was talking field goal. I'm not talking field goal percentage. That was something that Charlie Weiss said from the very beginning. I don't care about scoring percentage, you know, including field goals in the red zone. You have to score touchdowns, and they're down this year. Yeah, I mean, they don't have bailout players offensively um, good, that are on the field right that's now. That's a good word for you it. Know, that's a good word for mayor, it. Mayor, I think, can be one. Um, you know, I think even though Kevin Austin was out of bounds, that was a really nice ball and a really nice catch, even though it was an incompletion. I just 
I don't think there's another receiver on the team that can go up and, and do that. I mean, you think about how many bailout plays have been made by the receivers in the red zone this year. It's Avery Davis against Duke. And I think that's it. Right. I mean, yeah. Is there another one? Uh, he's the only white out touchdown so far. Yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah. narrows it down then. No, there wouldn't yeah. be. <laughs> that, must, yeah, that must be it. Yeah. Cause you're right. Lindsay's not a bailout guy, but Lindsay's a, a quick hit guy. That is he's, yeah. he's so Lindsay's your Lindsay's your avoid the red zone entirely by scoring from the fifth. Right. Player. Right. Yeah. And, and, it's you crucial, know, man, you need that. Brian Kelly mentioned something today and I, and I wrote it. I wish I had included in my question. It was about, um, it was about third down defense. And, and he said, they're more concerned with the two drives. You know, Florida state opened the second half with a touchdown drive. Louisville opened the second half with, with a touchdown drive. I, I brought up. Didn't, you know, Duke? Because he, Didn't Duke. Duke. Uh, I'll check for you now. Wait, I'll, yeah, I think, I think Duke, yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's an issue that you have to deal with. Notre Dame's third down defense is second in the country. So they're doing a really good job. And a lot of that had to do, I detailed all the second and longs and third and longs that Louisville faced. They, they were, they were in long, long yardage situation, um, you know, the, the whole day. So they're doing, they're doing great on third down They're They're it's five of 10 on fourth down. And that's, you need, you really need to lump those together. Yeah, Tim. Duke, Duke fumbled. They scored the next one. It was the fumble okay. that hurt. That's okay. the fumble that hurt Kyle Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. But the last two games and that's fresh yeah. on their minds. And, and uh, you know when you you only give up one touchdown, and it happens at the start of the second half. It's a little disconcerting. That so. that entire line of questioning and his answer reeked of like I don't want to put everything on the offense. Like <laughs> I, I can find a nit to pick here about the defense just so point. I can say just so I can say that there was one because um, it was only thought, three for nine. Yeah, it was like, and it's, yeah, defensively, I was so impressed with their their run defense on plays to the running back. Uh, to Hawkins. I mean, anything up the middle, I just sort of charted runs between the tackles and the, the yardage gained was one minus one minus three, one 28 minus two minus three minus one eight four zero nine. Um, that's, you know, you don't have to gamble with a blitz or get super aggressive to put a team in second and long when your defensive line and linebackers play that well against the run. Uh, at least. And when I say linebackers, really what I mean is Jeremiah Wusukormoa and Drew White, not what's happening in the box. Not what's happening. But Hawkins was stuffed unofficially. Tim, you'll have the official count. He was stuffed 10 times. He only carried 15. Yeah, that's that's a heck of an that's effort, man. That's a tremendous effort. I mean, they had five drives of under 18 yards. And they had seven drives. So <laughs> you're doing pretty well. They had seven drives. Yeah. That was the fastest game we have ever covered two, it, I think. I don't know hours, what happened. Two hours and 52 minutes. I would have to go I would have to go back to my, you know, the early 80s when I started yes, covering yes. Notre Dame <laughs> to get games under three hours. It was a beautiful – it's a sports writer's dream. It was oh, a beautiful I, thing. I got home and my family was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's like I was done with my – they're like – my wife's like, do you still have to write? Yeah, I was like, yeah, tomorrow's calling. The notebook's done. This is just – I couldn't believe it. It was – I mean, think of the games we've sat through there in the fourth quarter. I always feel like November and Syracuse. So it's going to happen to me in December. It's like, how many plays are in this fourth quarter for when one team's up by 26 points? This is just an unbelievable thing. And it was not that way this time. For me, it was the it was the second quarter. It was like, what? There's 315 yeah. left? What in the world is going on? But, um, you know, long drives and Notre Dame ran it a lot. and Fake field goals and fake stuff field. like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so 
look, I don't, there's such an overreaction to everything that Notre Dame does. And I feel like sometimes I overreact because I know that we're going to have to communicate with our constituency. And I just, and I, you know, I mean, how many, and I realized that book was not accurate early on. He only threw 19 times, uh, you know, McKinley's dropping every other pass thrown to him. He ran, he, he ran the football. Well, I mean, I just think that, you know, we're conditioned now to, to overreact. I'm not saying book played well, and I'm not saying that, but I mean, I think we're conditioned to overreact to every, everything that he does. His, his touchdown run was absolutely spectacular and it's, it's, and I understand why, but I mean, it's just treated as whole hum. It it was a, it was a tremendous play that absolutely had to be, had to be made. They were trailing. I like, I like the vibe that Reese and book are in with book as a runner. Um, Not just scrambles like that was just a scramble. I think O'Malley, you asked about it, but the design runs, I think pretty much always click. my concern with book was, I guess I was, well, I, I'd say I was, I was as concerned. I was as concerned about the number of times Louisville defenders got a hand on the ball as I was book, just not really processing what Louisville was. Yeah, but is, isn't that the route? I mean, that, that, like yeah, Lindsay, like Lindsay was in for one play and they jumped the route. Well, then you must not have sold it very well because if they're jumping the out route on, on Braden Lindsay, then, then you didn't there give him a good. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of throws to the field. One was to Lindsay, one was to McKinley. And I was just like, that seemed like a strange use of personnel. Like, Book's arm throwing to the field is not a huge strength. I realize you have to do it sometimes, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, there was a corner blitz that Book Didn't was coming in his face, yeah. and he felt like he just sort of froze up a little bit. Um, you know, there's a drag to Avery Davis, I think, when they got blitz, which. He may have not seen it because there was about six 300-pound bodies right in front of him where Davis was running. But um, it just it just didn't feel like a I'm-on-it performance from Book. I agree with you, but Pete, we, we both lamented the play where the corner blitz came and he never got rid of the ball, even though the corner blitz was picked up. It's funny. Yes. You, look at, you look at it, and there were still three defenders guarding McKinley and Skoranek. They it, it was like, what? Happened here because both tight ends stayed in the block on the left right. side. Now, yeah. yeah, that play I was, was I was a, just confused by that. That's a, that's a personnel usage, right? Yeah. Like you're going to do two slow developing deep routes to Ben Skoranek and Javon McKinley. That that seemed strange to me. Um, yeah, they weren't know, ready. They weren't they weren't prepared to pick up the blitzes early on. You know, book was book was tackled yeah. for four uh, tackles for losses slash sacks in the first three, in those first three red zone appearances. Yeah. So now did he not put them in the right protection? We don't know that, 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 that's a variable that you don't, that you don't know. Uh, but the, you know, the offensive line did not handle the blitz situations very well early on. And so it's hard to just say, okay, red zone book sucks. He didn't get them in the end zone. It's never one thing. It's never one thing guys. I mean, you've heard me say that a thousand times. It's, it's 11 on 11. It's not one person. And, yeah, the, and well, the offensive line didn't play well. There might, there was probably a running back that maybe Tyree didn't pick up a blitz. Uh, the receivers aren't getting open. The red zone, the offense in the red zone was bad. Book, O-line, across the board. 
I would love to sit down with book or Kelly or Reese and like, just go through a couple of the plays to understand what they were trying to accomplish or what was off. Like that throw to mayor down the left sideline. Yeah, yeah. I guess was really late or got caught in the wind. Um, I don't, he, he the wheel route. That it was looked like it was supposed to be thrown today. earlier. Cause he was looking for a long time. I just, just watched yeah. that like five minutes ago. It looked like he was looking for the ball early, early, early. And he even gave book a look like, you know, I thought he drifted too. You got to cut, right, you got to, right. you can't, you can't sit and wait for the ball. You've got to meet it. Uh, but again, okay. I, you know, I mean, I just think that it's look. it was a, a collective failure in the red zone. Okay. I, I just uh, book didn't have that many opportunities. Uh, and when he, when he had to connect in the last drive, he did when he had to score a touchdown, just like he did at the end of USC, just like he did at the end of Virginia tech, he yeah, made plays. It, it's just maddening that he doesn't make more plays when, when the game starts, generally it is, speaking. It is, because I think any even detractors of Book have to understand that his competitiveness and clutchness in terms of making – you can trust him to make those runs and make those plays. The problem is you don't have to make those plays and make those runs in the fourth quarter against Louisville. Right? You can you go down and have to. Yeah, you can go down yeah. and be ahead thirty-one to seven when you have a great defense well, and you're not making those plays. That, yeah. So I get the frustration both ways. I mean, if you're, you know, you have Mayor, Mayor coming across on the post. I know there was weird windows in the first drive. He missed him high by yeah, four feet wide. I mean, there's just yeah, you know, that was a that was yeah. a real tight window, but he missed him badly. And that yeah, was a I mean, real yeah. tight window. Tremble to books left was uncovered. Yeah. I mean, Mayor and Tremble lined See, up and there's, on the there's left no, of the formation, and Tremble is wide open. There's no denying that part. I mean, we we see it at the games. You right, can't. You, right. I I I'm often amazed by people that know about receivers not being open by watching on TV because you didn't see it, man. You didn't see it. <laughs> no, yeah. I've done for, now that we've both been home for a couple right, of games, right. we but know you at, don't see yeah, that. But at games, we see the receivers yeah. that he misses. So you know, again, I don't. I'm not exonerating him. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he played well. But sometimes the criticism of you know to say this is all on to come out of that game and say. This is all on book. That's crazy. No, the receivers need so the receivers need to be so much better yeah. along with him. Um, it's uh, Brian Kelly's starting to admit it. I mean, he led with we're much better running the ball right now. You know, it was he knows he knows they have to do it. I thought his I mean his post game commentary of like Kevin Austin needs to make a play, Braden Lindsay needs to play a play, Javon McKinley needs to make a play. Ben's, I mean, that's the coaching equivalent of like throwing your hands up in the air and be like. Just do it. Like, what is the problem? Um, they, I think they're just at a, they're in a bad spot at receiver right now, and it's it's putting a serious limit on how good this offense can be. Well, he said right prior to the recording of this that uh, that Joe they need to get Joe, Joe Wilkins more involved, and and you know he's you know he's going to have trouble. Uh, distancing himself in from the, defensive backs. Yeah, he's in the slot on, on the depth chart. Just of note, he did move from. Um, X to slot this week with no keys in the depth chart. I think maybe they're worried a little bit about the yeah. concussion situation. So keys, just... keys. I, I want to say that Tim Key's still in uh, concussion protocol. Uh, Brian, just to wrap up this segment, Jamir Smith has uh, stopped playing football. Um, obviously, his disappointment in not getting any right. playing time in a crowded backfield. And he talked about how he's had conversations with Clark Lee about Isaiah Foskey and, and Jack Kaiser having to be on the field. And I understand Foskey in this game because, um, you know, you had to, the priority was stop the run and, and Dalen Hayes is better prepared to do that. Although I thought he had difficulty getting off some blocks 
against personnel that he should have gotten off of those blocks. Uh, but Foskey will be more involved because uh, they need that pass rush. And Kaiser, I would have, I don't know if he's going to start, but I got to believe that Kaiser plays extensively this, this week. We'll be back for segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com. Burning up the board, segment two, we start with a question from Judge Arthur Vandalay. I'm sure you'll get enough questions about the offense. Notre Dame has forced only three turnovers, which puts them tied for 55th, despite facing teams that regularly turn the ball over. Duke is last in turnovers, USF 60th, FSU 66th, Louisville 72nd. Is that just bad luck, not capitalizing on opportunities or something else? There are a couple of missed opportunities. We talked about this. Uh, there was an over-under of turnovers for this game, and all three of us said under because Notre Dame hasn't been forcing turnovers, and Louisville's bound to not turn it over as much as they had been. I mean, D.J. Brown should have two. Uh, Pete has a stat on this that I think will lend uh, some light to it um, in terms of passes defended versus interceptions. But, you know, I mean, if sometimes it's hard to describe why a team's a ball-hawking defense. And why they're not, uh, Bob Diaco used to say it was effort going after the ball. I don't really think that from a Clark Lee coach team, but uh, I'd say there's a little bad luck, but I just don't think it's going to be a team that forces, say, 10 turnovers in their next five games either. No, it's, I mean, the interceptions are way, way down, obviously, but um, the pass breakups are up. So I think ultimately it's, it's sort of a wash when you, you come up with a passes defended statistic where it's. PBUs plus INTs. Um, Notre Dame's averaging five PBUs per game. Last year they averaged 3.3, um, but they have one interception. Last year they had nine. Right? It's. Um, I'll take the nine picks at this point. I think. Yeah, I mean it. It's not. It. It doesn't balance out because an incompletion is not as significant as right. turning the ball over. But um, I think that would that would lend more to the luck point because they're there to make a play on the ball. I think Nick McLeod could have three picks. DJ Brown could have a couple. Well, Bracey uh, should have picked off Conley, the backup quarterback. Uh, yeah, for Louisville, uh, one interception and 119 pass attempts, which obviously isn't very good. But I thought Bracey could have had one. Crawford uh, could have. He's the one that has one, right? Yeah. He, yes. Um, Crawford. Big one. Should, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a big one. But Crawford should have at least two and maybe three uh i'm not has hamilton i'm not sure that hamilton's he's had broken one. Up, he's broken up his fair share no he, he yeah. has <laughs> his only breakup uh saturday was in the first series and was a beautiful one but uh you know i don't i don't put a whole lot of uh stock in the bad luck thing although i guess you know i mean i guess that comes into play a little bit when it comes to turnovers but to, to your point pete about you know, I mean, it's great to get a pass breakup, but nothing changes momentum and then changes position on the field like a pick. So, not to belabor this one, but Tim, weren't there 33 fumbles by opponents last year? Notre Dame recovered 19 fumbles. Correct. I just think about that. I mean, that's ridiculous along with all those interceptions. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter how you get them, whether it's fumble or interception. Right. No, it's a turnover. Yeah. That, that's and what three, I'm saying. And three turnovers in four games is, is not good enough. So, it's a concern, and I'm sure that they'll address it. You don't have. You don't have a Lohe Gilman always trying to strip the ball out of the running back when he gets a chance, a receiver. Uh, but they have to be better than that. NDF Discord. How concerned are you about the lack of pass rush right now? Uh, 
I mean, it was Brian Kelly's big concern when the season started. So I would say I'm, I'm unchanged in my concern. I, I don't think this is a great pass rushing team. Um, you know, when I went through and charted the game, I had them getting pressure on Louisville quarterbacks on just four attempts, which is a season low um, by a lot. But yeah, I had Duke live, which is attempts. unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, Duke, 11 attempts. USF, 10 attempts. FSU, 10 attempts. Louisville, 4 attempts. So and it was not a good offensive line either. Um, I don't know. It's, I think, I guess the way I'd answer this is like, it's a concern and it's going to be a concern the rest of the year, but it was particularly acute against Louisville. But I think that they're not going to be as, uh, unimpactful again as they were against Louisville or not regularly unimpactful this week I think they're going to need it um first road game as Tim has mentioned offline team has lost three in a row but I mean I don't think Pitt is as good as we thought they were going to be clearly but they're also probably not as bad as a team that would lose three in a row and, and the way they some of the teams they've lost to so I, I do think they're gonna need a little more this week Isaiah Foskey could help to that end I I haven't been as impressed with third down stuff as I, as third down pass rush as I thought they would be. I, I did figure that third down, they'd still be getting to the quarterback, but you know what? They're a great third down defense right now. So they're, they're doing it in other ways, but uh, even if you were concerned coming in, you can still be concerned now. That's how I look at it, Pete. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm and, still concerned. And one of the things that concerned me in, in saying that I thought Ogun Deji was going to have a great year was man. Now he's in a lead role. I mean, it's one thing coming off the bench, you know, filling in for Kareem. And I think Kareem, whether Kareem actually put the pressure on the quarterback or was contributing to the rush, I think he contributed to a lot of the pressures on the quarterback, even if he wasn't around the QB per se. Jameer Jones was good at it. And Okwara, you know, basically spent his whole time on the field worrying about the pass rush. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, you know, you had a great group last year. And the group I – a gofu right now, I don't, you know, is yeah, he just disappears a little bit. In yeah, the, yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't contain real well, and he, he hasn't had a lot of snaps, but he hasn't been there. And Dalen Hayes is not a good pass rusher. He never was. Uh, so it needs to be Foskey. They need to get Foskey on the field with Ogun Deji. And, and uh, Brian Kelly made a point of saying that Foskey and Kaiser have to play. He had that conversation with, with Clark Lee, so I think we'll see more of him. Delius Matthew, any chance Notre Dame tries to get Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts involved, or does that make too much sense? (laughs) (laughs) The wording is good. Uh, If we could start with flipping the snaps of McKinley and Austin, do that first, then maybe we can talk about Johnson and Watts in a few weeks. Yeah, I I, I mean, Lindsay and Austin are the people that are are coming up to help. Lindsay Lindsay and Austin need to be the guys. let, Let me just. I mean, as it relates to Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts doesn't make too much sense. Do we know how they're practicing? Do we know if they can read a coverage? Do we know if anything, there's any COVID-related stuff there? Uh, Are there any academic problems? Maybe they haven't caught the ball well in practice. Maybe they don't adjust well to coverages. These are all things we have no idea about, but throw them out there. Look, I get the whole idea of send Jordan Johnson deep, the way people were pleading for Braden Lindsay to go deep you know, two years ago. And then Braden Lindsay said, hell, I wasn't ready to play. I, mean, I don't think Jordan Johnson would say that. <laughs> but nope. when you don't know any of the details of what's happening within the program, I, you know, it's more than just throw them out there. Jordan Johnson got a chance to play against South Florida and he committed a personal foul. 
I, you know, I mean, maybe there are traits issues. People want to laugh at traits issues, go right ahead. And, but again, I'll say this, our name is 37 and six due largely to traits. And if they fall into that category, I don't know if they fall into any of those scenarios that I painted, but it's just not as easy as throw a freshman receiver out there and he's going to make all the difference in the world. Uh, I, on Johnson, I did ask about that over the weekend. I just, I heard that he's struggled to pick up the playbook. Um, sort of master the system to a level that they can get out, they can put them out there. That's maybe kind of that, important. Maybe that will change where instead of finding 15 plays for him, you find five plays for him. Um, but but I agree with you. Austin, I think Kevin Austin, Austin is right. That's, yeah, Austin and Lindsay are the ones. Like, that, well, and these are, those, there should be like two questions. One question is, what's up with Austin and Lindsay? Why don't they play more? I'd be like, they need to play more. You're totally right. The Johnson Watts thing is like, Maybe there's a bit part for them somewhere down the road, but you know that they're not going to be the guys that make the difference. Austin and Austin and Johnson are very similar type receivers. Yeah, body type, and you know. So if you want, I understand running, you know, running Johnson deep on a play, but as it's a good point. I mean, there are many other factors in getting freshmen on the field. Plaque, plaque, itfdw. I've heard national beat writers refer to Notre Dame's offense as one-dimensional after four games against four bad teams. Is that a fair assessment? Brian Kelly said yes today. Yeah, it is. And mm -hmm. they don't have to be if, if things work out. Look, we uh, as much as we want Austin on the field, a month ago we all said have him ready for Pitt because Louisville will still just be his second game back, and that'll be really his first game back. So can he be ready for Pitt? The frustration with Austin is really bad because they scored 12 points on a Louisville defense that looked at Notre Dame's players and thought, you don't threaten us at all, and I'm going to get up in your face every single time. Did you see how chippy those guys were? You know why? Because they knew they couldn't run by them. Yep. There was plenty of trash talk going on, and they did not fear Notre Dame at all. So Kevin Austin, welcome to the season. He better play a lot against Pitt. Because you think Pitt's corners might be a little chippy with Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek wide? You think, Pitt, you think Pitt's corners are going <laughs> to yeah. press at the line of scrimmage? You yes. know, Florida State, Florida State, as great as Asante Samuel is, having watched a lot of film of Florida State, they don't, he doesn't press a lot. So that explains get the ball quickly out to McKinley. But Louisville pressed, and nobody's going to press more with their corners in Pittsburgh. Did you get to watch much of that Florida State game? Because someone lit a fire into that defense. Oh, my goodness. They were running to the ball. No, they, they played, played well. Oh my they played God. well. But they still can't defend big possession receivers. No, they yeah. can't. They cannot. But they, I mean, they looked like a different, looked like a new coordinator out there. It was it was something different. Yeah, they cannot. Well, North Carolina's got some guys that can play, too, on the outside. Denver Maximus, how concerned are you about the play of the wide receivers after four games? It's easy to blame Book for the anemic passing game, but separation has been an issue all year with the wideouts. The tight ends are great, but we need more from this skill position. You would think with the success of the run game that play action would open things up. That last statement, that's why I thought the tight ends would have great success against Louisville because play, you would think that play action was going to draw them up and you'd have something on the second level. I know we've talked about the receivers, but here we are. Yeah, the play action game did not – didn't do anything last week. Um, you know, what, what constitutes play action and what doesn't? in 2020 is a little tricky. It's not like the obvious hand the ball out for two yeah. seconds and have the running back run through. It's just like sort of a, a quick fake. Um, but the way I charted it on play action, I had booked two of seven for 30 yards. Um, 
Yeah, it's it, and, it, and that was I, and I felt like stuff was open. Like I don't, I didn't look at that as they tried it and he couldn't find any or and nothing came open. Like the the linebackers weren't respecting it. I think they were respecting the hell out of Notre Dame's play action fakes because why wouldn't you? They ran for two hundred fifty yards. So um, the fact that that was is inefficient as it was is uh, a little concerning. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've made my thoughts on the wide receivers. If they don't tweak everything, make some changes, have Lindsey and Austin involved and Skoranek and McKinley splitting a spot. They need McKinley's block and they need Skoranek's confidence with Ian Book. You know, I mean, Pete, you made a lot of points that Skoranek worked with Ian Book. So if they can turn that into two third down conversions a game and three against Clemson, that's good. Great. You're going you're gonna to need more than that. And it's got to be from Austin and Lindsey. And if not, you will absolutely not win in November. Probably against two teams. And then another one and another one waits for you in December. You get to play them again. They need more than what they have right now, wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to wash ND. I'm going to skip your question about Isaiah Fossey because we addressed it. Uh, he it, it, His lack of playing time against Florida State was COVID-related. And then this week, I think it was more scheme-related. So I'm going to skip up to Terry Benedict. Question for – no. Uh, and I'll ask the question of me. Question for Priester. Before the season, you said that you expect Ian Book to be one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football. What led you to take this gutsy opinion, and what does he need to do <laughs> to accomplish this? I don't know how gutsy it was, but I, I'll give you a, a really simple answer. I thought he would get out of get outside of his own head and start playing start playing with confidence because I feel like mechanically and physically he's capable of making all those throws. Now, the wind probably influenced some things on this past Saturday, but I I just think that that Ian Book's confidence ebbs and flows from game to game, from series to series, from play to play at times. I know that he has the mechanical makeup to be a more accurate quarterback. I probably should have taken into consideration that he had a, a, a lesser wide receiver core and that would make it difficult. But I really think a lot of it starts with, with just his the ebb and flow of his confidence level. Statistically, last week on passes five yards and in, he was eight of nine for 76 yards on passes of six yards or more. He was three of 11 for 30 yards. McKin okay. McKinley had one or two, you know, the McKinley he had, had almost all of those incompletions. Yeah. Um, you know, the first play of the game where he forced the one to McKinley because they wanted to get the, the yeah. wideouts involved. Mayor was, I mean, direct straight line, straight looking ahead from book open on the second level, but he had already predetermined that he was going to try to get the ball to wide out. And it it's the third time he started a game like that because, oh, no, not he didn't start a game. Kevin Austin was, you know, running that go route against Florida State, and Tommy Tremble was running around by himself. It's there's The predetermined throws is, is an issue. I don't understand it, yeah. but I have said my piece on not understanding why things are happening the way they do with a three-year starter, former MVP, two-time captain. That's all there is on that one. Club Fred 90. It looked like the majority of the Mike and Buck snaps went to White and Simon. Is this accurate? How do you think the Mike and Buck positions played out as a whole against Louisville? And an additional question on this in this vein is from Spore 2. What would your depth chart at Buck look like? Did uh, did you figure out snap count, Pete? I have. I got him oh, here. Yeah, I did. Uh, White played 25. Bauer played 23. Simon was 24, I have. And yep. Leah Fow 12, which kind of, that's right. kind of how it felt that's watching. I had to. 
And uh, Kaiser's snaps were at Rover for people that saw him in there and out of position. Two. Yeah, saw him in there out of position for one play. That was because uh, Usu Kormo came out. Uh, my depth chart at Buck, Tim, would yours look like Jack Kaiser at the front and then somebody else? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, no doubt. Now who, you know, I, I think long-term, I think, you know, I've said this several times, Leofau, Leofau has all the physical characteristics that you would like. And then Brian, yeah. Brian, yeah. Brian Kelly talked about, you know, he want, he wants to attack the football, which I, I, you know, you have to, there's gotta be a little bit of reading and deciphering going on. And so he's probably running himself. I, he is, I've seen him running himself out of place, but I would say, you know, Kaiser definitely won. And I think, athletically and just the approach to the game. I like Leofau second, but Shane Simon's starter. Probably a lot to ask to have Leofau <laughs> be your number two rover. Maybe is that, you know, and, and go Kai, Kaiser Simon and then Owusu Koromoa and Leofau. Because right now the decision seems to be Owusu Koromoa and Kaiser at rover, which I think takes your best buck and makes them a backup at another right. position. Yeah, I, don't, I doubt very much whether – Kaiser playing Rover the other the other day was a, a long term deal. No, but it's but in a sense like if he has to rep that out in practice. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully Pryor's not getting hopefully Pryor's getting him. But as you mentioned, yeah. Pete, Pryor should have been getting him for or has been getting him for more than a month. So that's yeah. he should be ready actually. Jay Jude, is it me or does it feel like Hamilton, the safeties as a whole aren't making a lot of impact like they have in years past? Uh, I think it's I think it's you. Yeah, I'd say it's you. Sorry, sorry, Jay Jude. Uh, yeah, I did a thing in in uh, uh, tell the tape today. I mean, when Crawford, when Crawford has been at safety, and I know the opponents are different stuff, but when Crawford's been at safety, they're giving up five point seven per attempt, which is right in line with the last two years when they were top five, and it was eight point one against yeah. Florida State. Uh, but it's such a small sample size. I know that that's not fair. But I mean, I you know I don't. Notre Dame's number four in scoring defense. They've only allowed five touchdowns they're number 14 in passes per attempt they're number two on third down conversions uh, you know i you can't always i think we said this a lot last year when when teams were clearly steering clear of alohi gilman that you can't always judge safeties based upon stats and pass breakups and tackles and you know it's it, it's 11 on 11 and sometimes it shakes out a little bit differently Kyle Hamilton is the the human eraser back there, and I think when Crawford's with them, they're pretty damn good. Yeah, Crawford's been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I have to, to admit that I was hey, I his thought play, he was sort of a placeholder back there. Yeah, He's a playmaker. His play on uh, the the one running attempt that Atwell had it was for minus four mm -hmm. because he saw it. He knew exactly what they were going to do. He broke immediately. And how about the way Notre Dame? you know, really eliminated Atwell from, and the one, the, the, the pass by Cunningham to Atwell right in front of the Notre Dame sideline for 28 yards. That was the best pass of the whole day. That was that beautiful. Was, yeah. Oh my God. That was perfect. I actually, I thought Atwell would have a good day against Notre Dame. I, I, it's a shame how much I was focused on the offense's scuffles because boy, their defense did play really well against Louisville, holding Louisville to seven points. You said before the game, they're going to hold Louisville to seven points and, uh, six drives, or like, there's only seven drives total for Louisville, but so, you, know, you say 80% of their drives were 18 yards or less. <laughs> yeah, just as surprising incredible. as Louisville holding Notre Dame to 12 points. That's I mean, was... that's worse. That's more surprising. Yeah, no, that's way worse. <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy to me. That is nuts. I, I mean, <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. They hold Notre Dame to 12 points. <laughs> Notre Dame is a good D. Louisville doesn't. 
that's that's what's and it crazy been, about. <laughs> if you think about it, just just Notre Dame's normal production in the red zone, right. they're up seventeen to nothing at halftime. Yeah, it doesn't look doesn't, and then you're able to play a different way also in the second half. Right, right. Statman seventy two. Last week I asked if the fear factor for the Pittsburgh game would increase if the Notre Dame defense could not come close to matching what the Pitt D did against Louisville. Samson said the fear factor would increase going into the Pittsburgh game if Notre Dame's offense couldn't score more against Louisville than Pittsburgh did. Should we be trembling? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, yeah. I, I also I think the fear factor goes up that Pitt has lost three in a row. I, uh, that's a bad betting situation for going to uh, Notre Dame. It's not a not a comfortable game at all. I think for Notre Dame. It, I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's when Pitt started three and oh, I was like, well, this eliminates the trap element. Like, nope, yeah. traps back on. Did I say this? I think I said this off the air because I cursed. Um, I don't think you're going to see Notre Dame's approach the same at Pitt, though, because of how lackadaisical it was and the, the pall over the crowd. There was not that, that was a, that was just a slow dance, that Louisville game, man. I don't think you'll see Notre Dame look like that. Now they have to execute in the red zone against a better defense in Louisville. You know, Pitt's got a better defense than Louisville. Yep. Um, they have to execute, but I don't think you will see that lackadaisical of a game from Notre Dame one week after they had one. How could you tell the crowd wasn't into it with 10,000? I could hear the I crowd in the it, other games with the windows. I thought it seemed yeah. much less buzzy than okay, the yeah, three Yeah, games. and Tarico, Tarico absolutely made that statement. I thought they, I thought they had noise for ten thousand of the other games. Now there was now Florida State's Florida. I mean that carries more, much more weight. Florida State at night with students and obviously students partying in the daytime coming to the game, which is a better atmosphere than it was in the cold against Louisville. Um, Duke was an opener, so that was the one we thought might be lackadaisical. It was not. And uh, South Florida, they were just killing them. There were people were having fun, probably watching good football. So that's part of it. I just don't think you'll see. I would hope you see a aggressive angry Notre Dame team against Pittsburgh because yeah, Pittsburgh's going to be that way man Pittsburgh is going to be that way I mean it's uh it's going to be difficult I I thought Pitt might you know they've always they've had the great pass rush I don't know that they've always matched that with the run defense but they are doing that generally speaking now so uh Stamman 72 consider us trembling <laughs> uh <laughs> Sean Martin asks, looking at the teams they've played as well as overall eye tests, where do you think Notre Dame legitimately fits in the rankings? Subjectively, if everyone was playing, I would have Notre Dame ranked somewhere between 11 and 18. Oh, there's no way in the world I'd have them rated that low. It can't. No, I, uh, I also don't like rating teams that aren't playing, other than Ohio State would obviously <laughs> – I feel like if you're an AP voter, you're allowed to rank Ohio State, but nobody else at this point because you probably could be wrong. There's just no. I mean, obviously Ohio State's going to be good this year, right? Or good to great. Their their ceiling is really really good. Or their their floor is really really good, and their and their ceiling is a championship. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I would rank them as such. Nowhere near as good as Clemson or Alabama. That's why I, I rank I guess, can, we, yeah. can we vacate spots three through nine? Yeah, they're not anywhere. They're not close. They, if, if they played Clemson. Ten times they would lose nine for sure. They have to win the one time that they have to win. They're I mean, not. They're not close to Clemson or Alabama. Did you watch the Alabama game last oh night? Oh my god! <laughs> Did you see that team running around? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think as it as it relates to where Notre Dame is ranked now, I okay. You want you could put Georgia ahead of them with one loss. Ohio State hasn't played. 
I can't Oklahoma. put Georgia. I mean, Georgia might well, be no, Georgia, I'm just, but you can't I, put that's, them ahead of them. No, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm saying. Georgia's yeah. fourth. They have one loss. Ohio State hasn't played. Oklahoma State's 3-0. and Would you put Notre Dame ahead of Oklahoma State? Yes. 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 Texas A&M has a loss. Would you put them ahead of Notre Dame? No. Penn State hasn't played? No. The next undefeated team is Cincinnati. So, I mean, whether they deserve to be number three or not, based Flor- upon – Yeah, Florida would be a good game. Florida-Notre Dame would be a really interesting game. They have they and yes and they have they have a loss. Yeah, I guess it's, I'm sort of looking at this as like if no, what would the line be on a neutral field against Team X? I think Notre Dame would be an underdog to Florida. Notre Dame would be an underdog to Georgia. Um, and um, I don't know, but Ohio unlike, State, Penn State, underdog, underdog. But unlike an underdog, see, that's what I'm saying. In in a normal normal times. Yeah, Everyone I just has played. I, I would say Notre Dame to me looks like a team just outside the top ten. Does defense count? Defense doesn't count. See, I don't sure think counts. I, well, I think, they have one of the best defenses in the country. And you let me know how that defense looks when they don't play Florida State, USF, or Duke. I gotcha, but they can't. What What would you like them to do about the four teams that they were scheduled to play? I no. I mean, they did a great job against them. I'm just saying. I'm saying like if they were playing on a neutral field against these other teams, would Notre Dame be favored or not? And I think the answer is and not. And that's how you would determine the rankings? See, yeah. Regardless, because regardless of like, the record, regardless yeah, of this, regardless we're talking of, about, I said in a hypothetical world where everyone okay, was playing, all right, okay. this is, this is when I watch Notre Dame and you're saying, Hey Pete, I test, how good is Notre Dame? I feel I, they, to me look like a team that's outside the top 10. My, my take on the, what they would be underdogs if you said you know hey clemson's a 17 point favorite alabama's a 16 point favorite ohio state's a 15 and a half point favorite i'd be like all right cool that'd probably cover it <laughs> that might happen but if you said a&m's favored by three and a half florida's favored by four georgia by six penn state by five wisconsin by two i'd say all right well let's see what happens when they play the game because those yeah. teams have to score on notre dame so it's really just the three teams one of which hasn't played yet that are in a stratosphere that nobody else is and we'll find out i mean we could find out I don't give Georgia. I don't give Georgia that much credit. I think Georgia would be favored against Notre Dame. I, I absolutely do. But who the hell is Georgia, really? I mean, they, they can't. They, you could lose to Notre Dame too if you're Georgia, right? I mean, they could have last year. Yeah, they could have at home uh, in a in a in a in a, a wild wild atmosphere that I, we've. I never understand Notre Dame has played a terrible COVID created schedule so far, <laughs> but there's nothing they could do about that. I mean. I really mean you can't rate Penn State and Oregon ahead of Notre Dame right now. I mean, you know, Ohio State could walk out on the field right now in the opening game and be favored by 15 and a half and cover against Notre Dame in their season opener, raw out of training camp. But that's not the same way for Penn State and Wisconsin. And Oregon I agree. In those and the reality in today's world is it's the, the Associated Press poll is it's merely an opinion poll that doesn't carry any weight. No, nothing matters at this point. Uh, right. like a, at the end of the preseason day. poll where some teams have played. Like, right, some, like right. Somebody's got to be number three, so why not Notre Dame? That's you fine. Know, yeah. that's, you know, that, that's my point. That's yeah, my point. Not, and that's a good I one, hear where right. you're coming from. Yeah, it's not I mean, like you know, it should but I, be TBD at number three. Like, right, and, and I, think, I think the eye test is important, but I also think that if you've only played four games and you've lost one, that you can't be ahead of Notre Dame. Yeah, I agree with that, except I immediately did think. I'm not sure A&M would be favored over Notre Dame. They might be. Um, they I probably would be by what? reputation. I... But let's say this. A&M's loss was to Alabama. 
Right. I mean, if if you're gonna lose a game, I mean, you would not want Notre Dame to get like let's say Notre Dame lost to Alabama like Georgia did. You would not be thinking, eh, they should plummet the twelve. They lost Alabama by seventeen points. I mean, that's probably good where Georgia fell, right? That's they only lost because they played Alabama. Right. Right. Georgia's one loss. Yeah. And they they virtually won the first three quarters. So yeah. So I get it. Whatever. It's an opinion poll. I, I look, I'm an old, because I'm an old timer. I have a hard time looking past losses the way a lot of people do now. Uh, but when you lose Alabama, I get that's a, right. that's a whole different, that's a whole different situation. You know like what? I'm going to the, the last thing I'll say, cause I think Pete did make a good point about the, um, the point spreads. I would take the chance of Notre Dame winning outright against all those other teams, as opposed to just taking the points, maybe not Georgia. Um, but I certainly would not against Ohio State, Clemson, and and uh, uh, Alabama, the other team that's really good. Who beats Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson? Other than Ohio State, one, one of the other two teams, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Irish from A two. Who will have more receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns this season? I just read this for the first time. Chase Claypool as a rookie, or Notre Dame wide receivers combined? All right, let me give you the tally up to this point. <laughs> One side has 26 receptions for 329 yards and one touchdown. And the other side has 17 receptions for 335 yards and four touchdowns. And I believe he got another, did he get a rushing touchdown? He does again? Another, yeah, another rushing touchdown. He's got two. I will tell you who will have more touchdowns than the collective of Notre Dame's wide receivers and Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool. And I think he'll have more yards and then catches are. Catches are that it's a um, numbers game. Yeah, he can't, yeah. it's too much volume. <laughs> Uh, for receivers in our name, but great question from Irish uh, from A2. Chase Claypool is well on his way to rookie of the year, all pro. <laughs> uh, I don't think he, I know he wasn't starting at the beginning of the year. I don't know that he's even in the starting lineup yet, but yeah. he's certainly getting a lot more playing. I mean, time. you remember how many times you heard Brian Kelly talk about the passing game last year and it was like, we need Chase Claypool to make more plays. <laughs> <laughs> That's, nope, that, dude, that, that dude can do it uh speaking of good questions and i don't blame you bwack 29 just hoping for your input on the over under i'll be betting the opposite moving forward <laughs> uh boy we had a we had a we had a tough day at the window with the over under the last two weeks <laughs> my god i am three and one against the spread uh and two and two now <laughs> against over under my goodness i but think you wanted to bet against <laughs> What I would feel about this game, I would say, like, tease the lineup to, like, Notre Dame minus 27 or something. I am not looking forward to blow out. I'm feeling the pressure. I'm not looking forward to this week's picks, right? O'Malley, you're feeling a pressure. Yeah, well, I mean, we were – I'd like to point out that uh, it's not that hard to go 4-0 on the straight-up pick with the Notre Dame schedule they played right now. (laughs) (laughs) But this one might get – gets a little tougher. You know, I'll tease this for Thursday. Notre Dame really can't lose to Pittsburgh. That would be a terrible thing. They've lost three in a row. I know they're better than that. you got to find a way to win that game. It's concerning. Find a way. It doesn't matter how concerned. It's a bad situation. Pete pointed out. You pointed out. I agree. If this was the NFL, I would be picking Pittsburgh to beat Notre Dame for sure, coming home after two losses in that situation. That would be a bad loss for Brian Kelly. Knowing, knowing people that know Narduzzi and know how tightly, tightly wound he is, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough week for the Panthers on the practice field, and they'll be they will absolutely be ready to play. Don't you think Notre Dame should have a tough week on the practice field a little bit? 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Now, but Brian Kelly said he mentioned today about the receivers. They probably pushed them too hard last week, and it sounds like their legs, they didn't completely have their legs under them against Louisville. I don't, yeah, I don't understand that at all. Do you believe it? No, not Uh, after last year. I don't believe it. No, it just seems like such a massive tactical error if you let that happen. Like, I don't. Twice? Yeah, it's a bad thing. I don't understand (laughs) What if that happened against Michigan on the road? That could never happen. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Very confusing. Okay, we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to put our sarcasm aside for a few hours, and uh, we'll come back on Thursday as sarcastic as ever. We appreciate you joining us for Irish Illustrated Insider here on October 19th. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.